calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hi, Keegan. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I just uh, got my first strawberries off of my strawberry bush this morning. (gasps) So I was excited. There, I had one and I'm saving the other one for Anthony. It was delicious. Very (gasps) sweet. I wanted to wait till I had a bigger harvest, but uh, I didn't want them draining energy from other strawberries. So I went ahead and cut them off. I see. Yeah, we wouldn't want them to drain any energy from anybody. Yeah, so I'm pretty <laughs> excited. I'm pretty excited about that. That's where my life is at, where I'm just like, ooh, my Ipsy bag is on its way, and I, I was able to cut off two strawberries from my strawberry yeah. bush. So things are life is exciting. I think I think it is. I think that if that's the thing that makes you happy, there's nothing wrong with that being the thing that makes your life exciting. Yeah. You know, like I think yes. it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Me too. But yeah. you know. It's all good. Well, I've I've got a long weekend right now and then tea is on spring break. So I'll have kind of a lighter workload. So I've just been, yeah, I've just been kind of hanging out and Max and I have both been playing some video games. I've been playing The Sims Island Edition, pretending that my characters are in quarantine. Oh, very fun. Yes. And Max has been playing this baseball game. And then we've also been, you know, finishing our shows that we've been watching this whole time. And then last night we had a great game night with um, his bandmates and their girlfriends and families and things like that. I have now used every video conferencing service known to man. Like, Oh, I've only used two. I've used Google Hangouts. I've used Zoom. I've used um, the other night I used WebEx. Because that was something that my friend Mackenzie had. I think that's the other one that I used the other yeah. day. I think it's more of a business one. Well, I guess Zoom yes. is too. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> I've also used uh, Skype just came out with a new one to try oh, and compete with Zoom. Yeah. yeah. I'm, so I'm I've Zoom used fan. all of them. I dig it. Zoom is, Zoom is the best. It's just if you're trying to do big groups, unless yeah. you pay for it, it cuts you out at yeah. like 40 minutes or whatever. Well, and okay, by the way, we're not getting paid for this. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're no. not giving, we're not being paid for a Zoom endorsement here. We wish. We would wish. happily yeah. 
happily, we would endorse Zoom happily. So, all right, everybody, we are going to be talking about myths about feminism today. I thought it would be something really fun, especially because it's something that's on my mind a lot when it comes to a lot of the posts that we make on social media in the comment section. A lot of the things that come up about the misconceptions and why feminism is wrong and why it doesn't need to exist anymore and you know all of these different things and so i thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about some of those myths and uh debunk them talk about how we feel about them things like that yeah i oftentimes feel like the people who comment on our social media pages are being willfully ignorant like yes. i feel like they just want to start a fight you know what i mean i they do I, and or they're just repeating things that they've heard other people say. Exactly. It's they nothing, have no real knowledge. It's yeah. nothing original. It's really funny. Like, I know that if we have a message that says, um, can I ask you a question? I know if I say yes, they're going to say, can I speak to the man in charge? It's happened so many times. It's in not original. In what school of toxic masculinity, what like 4chan or Reddit thread did all of these people people congregate in to yeah. decide to do that because we've gotten several there have been those where they're like they're like can I ask you a question and you're just like I'm not taking the bait on that yeah and then there are other people who are like hey are you willing to have a debate like oh, they yeah. will they will comment the most like toxic nasty shit on our page and then PM us and be like hey I'd love to have an, an intelligent debate about yeah. feminism and you're like what yeah <laughs> and exactly. it's just like this agreed upon thing that mm -hmm. like I, I don't know chauvinists incels men's rights activists I don't know who they are yeah uh, kind of got oh I think that's, and I think that's definitely who they are you know and the other thing I remember once somebody uh asked me for help with a research paper and I've helped a few people well we both helped a few people with school projects and things like that where they've interviewed us or asked us questions. So I was like, yeah, sure. Of course, if you want my help, I'll help you out. And uh, after asking me a few questions, it is clear that he is writing an anti-feminist paper and he was wanting to interview me as like the counter argument for it to be the bad guy, basically. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And I kind of gave him some like, because he was like, can you explain why or can you talk about how feminism is ruining um, manhood and blah, 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 blah. And then I would retaliate with real facts. And then it was just, it was so messy. And I eventually was just like, you know what? You're not worth my time. Block. Done. It's absolutely, these people, they don't want to actually have an honest conversation no. or debate or any kind of like civil discourse. That's not no. what they're here for, you know? Not at all. So let's talk about some of those things. So the I would say the biggest myth that we can kind of start with, because I think it's it always comes back to this. The big myth is that the aim of feminism is to make women the dominant gender. It is to make women above all men. We hate men. We want men to be below us. We want to rise to power and be the most powerful. And that's scary. <laughs> it's such a weird mentality to have. I oftentimes think this about people who have been like on top for a long time, whether yeah. that be, you know, a lot of white people who have a lot of like white fragility, getting their feelings about people seeking equality or other races seeking equality, mm -hmm. or whether that be men who get in their feelings. And I, it's this mentality that somehow equality is your oppression because yes. it feels like oppression to you because you have been superior for so long. 
Exactly. Exactly. So it's that fear of somebody else coming in and uh, being just as good as them, which I think to them would mean that they are then less superior because if somebody's just as good as them, then they're not the best anymore. And I think or if especially better than them and yeah. they just don't have the advantage of years of, you know, society working in their favor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then as soon as they start to get some of those equal rights, you know, it suddenly feels like oppression. You're 100% right. And the other thing that kind of ties into that too is that feminism ignores men's issues. Now, we've discussed this a lot on the show. We've watched, you know, we talked about it in the Red Pill episode. We talked about it in the Incels episode. We've talked about it in the Toxic Masculinity episode, uh, White Supremacy in YouTube. We've talked about it so many times where um, there's this big, thing that feminism is only there to help women. And a lot of people also believe that true feminism is only out there for white women as well. So there really is a big controversy over that. But, you know, as we saw in the red pill, when that feminist with the crazy red hair, do you remember her? Yes. Remember when she came up and she was she, well, she was listing all of the different ways that the feminist movement is also supporting men, you know, when it comes to high rates of suicide, when it comes to, you know, custody battles in court and things like that. Feminism is 100 percent on your side if you are the clear, you know, uh, well, because sole provider at the end of, of the child. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's about equality. Like that's what feminism is. It's equality. Anything else is misandry. Yeah. You know, and also. Not that we advocate misandry on this show because we don't, but there is a certain amount of like righteous anger that some women have when the scales have been tipped in one direction for centuries. There are going to be people who are like, yeah, no, fuck equality. I want superiority because we have been inferior for so long. Yeah. You know, and so while the aim of feminism is seeking equality, there's a certain amount of me that kind of thinks like, um, I get it. Like I get people who are like, nah, fuck it. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's, (laughs) because there are a lot of people out there and I think definitely we saw some of it like in the nineties, I think in popular culture, like in movies and stuff where the feminist in the movie was, uh, very anti-man. It was, it was very stereotypical. They were usually lesbians. They were usually, you know, um, Right. Tomboyish, things like that, you know? Yeah, which I feel like is another very common misconception. Uh, But I want to go back to something else that you said, which is that uh, feminism is only for middle class white women. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, I actually kind of understand where people are coming from because that that myth or that misconception oftentimes comes from people of color or women of color specifically or um, people who have been marginalized within like the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And in that respect, I understand where Mm -hmm. they're coming from as well. I understand. To me, it's almost less of a myth uh, and more of just something that we are working towards fixing. Yeah, exactly. In the beginning, it really did feel that way. And that's why other groups have had to create other movements that work either alongside or within white feminism. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's true. Like a lot of a lot of white feminists out there will still just use, you know, they'll say I'm a feminist and a lot. And that is what is seen a lot of 
you know, in popular culture, especially with celebrities and things like that. So there is a belief that feminism looks a certain way, especially in like celebrity culture and things like that, I think. Right. And that anything else is something else. Whereas like we are trying to intersectional feminism is more about being inclusive to everyone's needs and everyone's struggles. And that is including men that's including people in the lgbtq community uh and you know women of color so Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and so let's talk a little bit more about how feminism is actually an advantage to men we have touched on this before so i'm not going to go into it um a lot but there was a couple great websites that i went on and they had a few quick little things to say so uh male only draft is interesting because men kind of believe that women are too like fragile emotionally and physically to fight in a war, yet they don't like that there's a male-only draft and there's all these different things. Well, a a thing that I've heard a lot when we're talking about feminist myths, uh, a thing that I hear a lot from meninists or men's rights activists is that feminists only want to take the good stuff and they want to leave the bad stuff. Yeah. So they want equal pay and equal rights, but they don't want to be drafted. They right. want to leave that behind. And equality means equality, et cetera, et cetera. It's why whenever you mention feminism to certain types of men, their first response will be, well, does that mean that I could hit you now? Yeah. Right? Because we haven't been hitting you. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I mean, exactly. you, have, you have been. Yeah. Uh, but But, you know, there's that kind of like response where it's just like, okay, so you don't really want to be equal because you don't want to be part of the draft or you don't want you don't want to be treated um, like one of the boys. That's right. That's the operative thing. We still want to be I mean, if we want to be treated as women, we have the right to be treated as women, where I think that when those men are saying those things, it means that they think that you want to be one of the boys because you're a feminist. So I'm going to hit you and I'm going to burp and I'm going to fart and I'm going to treat you just like one of the boys because that's what you want. You want equality. That's what it sounds like to me. Yes. Yeah. I would say that that's true. When in reality, you know, why, why don't we open our scope of what this means and actually say actually nobody should be forced to be drafted yeah actually maybe stop hitting your guy friends actually Mm -hmm. instead of being like well now I can hit you you know what I mean yeah and also stopping the stereotype of women being the only caretaker for children like that like men perpetuating that stereotype is actually hurting them because when the day comes that you're fighting for custody you know maybe it would be more difficult for you to get custody if that was your belief and the mother raised the child. But if you were truly right to raise that child, you might not you might not get it. And that's unfair. And that's something that feminism fights for as well. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, And kind of all of that ties into, you know, abusive men failing at being masculine. This, of course, we're referring to toxic masculinity where, you know, some believe that it is unmasculine to be feminine in any way and to be feminine is to be inferior, which we all know. And I have a quote here that says, the truth is, even if feminism had nothing to say regarding men, but rather concentrated solely on making the world a more welcoming place for women and girls, the goal would still make for a completely noble and valid movement. And I don't see here where I got that quote now. If I see down the line which website I'm reading from, I will 
I will interject. But I thought that was a really good point. Even if feminism had nothing to do with men, it would still be a very valid movement because women are still fighting for equality. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, we talked about this again. I feel like we're going to say this a million times, but we talked about this in our toxic masculinity episode where really this like woman hate kind of misogyny exists out of a fear of the feminine or a fear of weakness, Mm -hmm. which uh, they equate femininity to weakness. Exactly. Uh, And feminism is really trying to combat that kind of mentality. Exactly. Exactly. To let, you know, let boys be emotional and not mean it's feminine, just mean that they're feeling the emotions that they're feeling and things like that. And to kind of go along with that, I feel like there's also this misconception. uh, There is a feminist myth that exists that feminists cannot be feminine in the kind of traditional sense of what that means, Uh Uh, which what does that even mean? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's such a weird social construct. But the idea that if you are a feminist, you have to look a certain way. You can't wear dresses. You can't Mm -hmm. adhere to certain kind of societal norms or traditional standards uh, that we often associate with being a woman. Yeah. And and what else ties into that is things like marriage and motherhood and so on, too. It's not even just the way that we look. It's like, you know, we're not supposed to take our husband's last names or we should not want children. Like there's so many things that like we think in our heads what a feminist is supposed to look like when really what we've said a million times on this show, feminism is about making the choices for yourself. Right. And it's about understanding where those traditions came from and the ways in which they are harmful or have been harmful. But with that understanding, once you have that knowledge, then you can make an informed decision for yourself and your own happiness. And no one has a right to judge that decision that you've made because it's your right to be able to make it. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is like, Uh, again, we are not trying to become more masculine. We are trying to be accepted within our femininity and whatever that means or whatever we're identified as, you know, that's all. Yeah. Yes. Um, A big one is that we don't need feminism anymore. Yeah. This is one that you hear a lot. There will be people, I feel like it's always a certain kind of person. I was going to say man, but it's actually not just men. I actually see a lot of women who have this mentality. And I feel like they think that they can ride this progressive line Mm -hmm. uh, where they think it's kind of more progressive to admit that, yes, we needed feminism at one time, but that time has passed and women are equal now and we don't need it anymore. When in reality, even if you want to say that about just women, which isn't true, it's not true about women. We're still fighting for our own uh, for rights over our own bodies. Uh, we still make less than men, just in general. Women, generally. So even if you want to say that, it's it's incorrect. But you're discounting the whole notion of intersectional feminism and the struggles of other marginalized groups, which we are still fighting for. So so to say that we don't need feminism anymore, it, it doesn't make any sense because it's just like, well, 
There are trans women of color who are being killed at a disproportionately high rate. You know, there's all of these things and and feminism interacts with these issues. Yeah, but the thing is, that's ignorance because a lot of people don't understand that feminism deals with a lot of those issues. When people are saying that we don't need feminism anymore, I think people often think of like the suffrage movement. You have the right to vote. You have the right to work. Uh, you know, you can own land, all of these things. So to them, those basic needs are taken care of. Therefore, we don't need feminism anymore because people believe that the wage gap is a myth. You know, there's all these different things or they believe that women choose lower paying jobs. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the gender pay gap myth. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I actually read a good article on Inc.com by an author named Jeffrey James. And we have talked about doing an entire episode dedicated to this topic. And I think that we will eventually do that. But he really gets kind of into the weeds about this myth and why it's bullshit Mm -hmm. Uh, because there are differing studies that show smaller pay gaps than the one that we typically talk about. Um, However, those those kinds of like differing statistics, when you, when you really look into them, you see all kinds of flaws because women are far less likely to be able to climb the corporate ladder. And so you might only find maybe like a six cent difference uh, where like female CEOs are making something like 94 cents to a man's $1 or whatever. But then you also see in those statistics that only 60 women have ever CEO'd a Fortune 500 company and an average of 2% according to the roll-up study by KDM Engineering. uh, uh, Sorry, an average of 2%, which was according to a study by KDM Engineering. And today only 6.4% of corporations are run by CEOs. So it's harder for women to actually get into these positions of power. And so whenever you're doing these statistics and you're like, oh, there's only a 6% difference, he describes it as not being a comparison of apples to apples, but comparing a small basket of apples to a huge barrel of apples. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, Yeah. And it's interesting because in this article, he talks about how statistically women in business on average are smarter than men. Companies run by women outperform those run by men and that all female teams outperform both all male and mixed gender teams. Uh, And yet still, even though women are better at business in many ways, better at running things, we've seen this many times like in politics, they still make less money on average, even if it is just six cents, if you want to just take those statistics on their face. And that's so petty. It's just the six cents, you know, it's like it it just sounds so petty when you put it that way. But the other thing is, I think that women are so good in business and they're so good in their jobs because we've had to be better. We've had to be better than the men to get the jobs because we're not going to automatically get that in because of our gender. That's absolutely part of it. Like women in general, when when they can finally become CEOs or, um, you know, uh, head companies and things like that. They've had to work so hard already yeah. Uh, that they are generally, I would imagine, probably better at their jobs than yeah. the men who are in the same positions. But also because of the way that society has been 
for generations. I also think that women are more adaptable in yeah. a lot of ways. Uh, we have had to learn to be diplomatic. We've had to learn to compromise and we've had to learn to adapt. And I think that those things make you very good at business. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of myths surrounding the wage gap myth. And as you were saying, very often people will say, well, I think women are less likely to speak up and ask for raises and that's why they don't make as much money. Or I, I think that uh, women are less likely to seek higher paying jobs and that's why they don't make as much money. But Where that reality, might also why be don't- because oppression, oppression as well. You know what I yes, mean? Like maybe women it's... aren't asking because we have been oppressed and we've been told no so many times. So why are we going to continue to put ourselves in those positions? Well, That's and what I a think, lot of women feel. I think there's that part of it where it's like this systemic oppression that has happened for a long time. And then I also think that there is this, we cannot ignore this boy club mentality. We've talked about it many times in our feminist faves episodes, how hard women have had to work to kind of break that glass ceiling. Mm -hmm. So when you say that women aren't seeking higher paying jobs, it's like, of course they are. Yeah. Women are highly educated. In fact, women are typically uh, more likely, there are more female college graduates than men. Uh, so why aren't there more female CEOs? And it's because the people doing the hiring, the people doing the promoting are men and they yeah. are hiring and promoting other men. Uh, they are mentoring people who look like them and leaving women out. Yeah. So that that's a big part of it. You can't say that women aren't seeking these jobs because they are seeking these jobs. They're not getting hired for these jobs and not because they're not qualified. Yeah, exactly. And to me, this ties in a little bit to the myth of conservative feminism. This is something that a lot of women who are conservatives uh, – will do and say that they are feminists and things like that. And I was reading specifically about a couple of um, more higher powered women who have claimed to be feminists and things like that, such as uh, Gina Haspel. Also, by, by the way, I got a lot of this from the New York Times article on NewYorkTimes.com. And um, she was appointed to be the first female to lead the Central Intelligence Agency by Donald Trump. And on the same day, Suzanne Scott was made Fox News' first female chief executive. So Republicans have criti criticized feminists for not applauding these women's accomplishments. And we should be happy that they've shattered these glass ceilings and got these great jobs and things like this. But the thing is, is that these women do not have any true feminist um, ideals. They, in fact, perpetuate patriarchal ideas. Uh, Gina Haspel oversaw a site where detainees were being tortured, and she refuses to say that torture is immoral. And Suzanne Scott implemented a mini skirt rule for female on-air talent, which has led to two lawsuits for toxic work environment. Which is why they were put in those positions. They exactly. weren't put in those positions because they were feminists. They were put in those positions because their ideals align with the ideals of the people who put them there. Right. That's but, why. But because they're women, we are supposed to blindly support them. We're supposed to blindly just applaud them for getting this job and ignore maybe some of their faults because not all women are feminists and not all women um, perpetuate those ideals in their lives and support other women. So we can't right. blindly applaud these people who are working for companies and perpetuating ideas from these companies and these toxic people. 
Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say as far as like, that is another myth. Like, I love that these myths are just building on top of each other. And that is that just because you are a woman, you are inherently feminist or that anything that a woman does is inherently feminist or that feminists should be applauding. And if we're not, then we aren't feminists and we're not supporting women. Exactly. Tommy Lauren... Tommy Lauren actually said that any woman who doesn't support Ivanka Trump's business because of her father's policies isn't a real feminist. You know, it's just like it's that weird thing where Tommy Lauren, Tommy Lauren is coming on and being like, you're not a real feminist if you're not applauding Ivanka Trump. If what you're doing is rooted in the oppression and suppression of others, then it is inherently anti-feminist. Yeah, exactly. And we should not be supporting it, period. And I don't care who it is. Yeah, there was a list at the end of this New York Times article that said, you cannot be a feminist and support an immigration policy of taking children away from undocumented immigrant mothers. You cannot be a feminist and support Trump's domestic gag rule, which would withhold funding from any healthcare center that helps patients find abortion services. So that's those are things that those specific women carry that you cannot be a feminist and carry those things. And that actually kind of leads me into another thing that I wrote down. And that is that feminism is all about abortion now. (laughs) That's our Uh, primary concern. (laughs) It is not our our primary concern. I I would say that there are so many fucking issues uh, that we, there can't be one single solitary issue that is our primary concern, but this is a concern uh, because it continues to be a fucking problem. Look, if, yeah. I, I think that most feminists would love to stop talking about this. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you continue to suppress women's reproductive rights and their rights over their own bodies, we cannot stop talking yeah. about it. Well, because like, that's the thing is it's not about abortion. It's about reproductive rights and abortion and is just... Yeah, is about one small part of our reproductive rights. And our autonomy over our own bodies. I feel like that's the thing that gets kind of swept under the rug very often because it's I feel like it's framed. The abortion issue is very much framed as though as though it's like they just don't want to accept their responsibility. They just don't want to have kids. So this is why they they are pro-abortion or whatever. And the thing is, is sure. Like that should be your right. If you just don't want to have kids, then you should be allowed to get an abortion. However, it is also about health and autonomy and the fact that nobody should have the right to tell you what you can and cannot do with your own body and with your own life, period. Yeah, 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 exactly. If you don't have control over your reproductive rights you don't have control over your life really like men have all the control over what they want to do with their reproduction and women are constantly told that we cannot be in full control of our bodies yet we have to listen to the men in higher up positions telling us whether it's legal or not to and, have that and sort of men control. who have no knowledge of female biology either. yeah like we're having to listen to men who literally don't understand how the female body works or how abortions work, make these laws and these decisions. And so at the end of the day, what other conclusion are we supposed to draw except that you are trying to control women because you want to exercise your power over women in any way that you can? It's not about babies. No. 
it's not about but, that. But because that myth has been perpetuated so long, we could do a whole episode on abortion, like abortion myths, because like the idea that they are babies at an early you know, state of conception has been pushed so much into our culture and has been said so many times that it's ingrained into our brains where if somebody says it, you believe it. You're like, yeah, because I've heard that a million times. So it must be true. They're killing babies. And that's really, really damaging because the information on what it really is, while it's gone out a lot more, I mean, even Bill Nye did a video a couple of years ago explaining why abortion is not killing babies. It hasn't been spread long enough for that to be ingrained in our brains yet. So unfortunately, the higher ups and these political powers still have this idea that we're killing babies with abortions. Well, it never will be. It will never be part of, I I don't know. Okay. So I want to say that I think the tides are turning and I think that more people are understanding scientifically that, you know, it's not a baby. Yeah. However, having come from a Midwest, very Christian background, I can say that like there will be a large segment of the population who will never get on board with with that way of thinking. And to them, it will, it doesn't matter how many facts come out to the contrary to them. It will always be killing babies and there's nothing that you can say or do that is going to change their mind. Well, yeah, because a lot of those people are religious. We're talking a lot about like the Bible Belt in the United States. And when your culture is so rooted in your religion, that is where, uh, you know, science is going to be kind of pushed to the wayside. You know, that's where things like the theory of evolution isn't, you know, taught and talked about and things like that. It's more about just faith and belief. So it is, I think you're right where I don't think that the Bible belt is ever really going to change their ways, but you know, there are also plenty of listeners and there's us, you know, we're both in the Midwest and we have a lot of listeners from the Midwest as well. So they do exist and that's wonderful. That's what we like. Um, Let me see. Oh, another thing is that feminists are anti-marriage. There was a television evangelist by the name of Pat Robertson who once described feminism as a movement that, quote, encourages women to leave their husbands, kill their children, practice witchcraft, destroy capitalism, and become lesbians. I mean, to be honest, most of that sounds uh, fine. (laughs) Like, sign me up. I want to practice witchcraft and... Leave my husband. Destroy capitalism? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to leave children. No, of course not. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to kill my husband either or leave my husband. Sorry, not kill him. Yeah, they didn't say kill him. They didn't say kill him. I could. But you should (laughs) have the right to leave your husband if you want to. You should have that right. Yeah. And well, and the thing is, is that the idea that feminism is anti-marriage is so backwards because we fight for marriage equality for the LGBTQ plus community. It's the idea that feminism is destroying families because it was looked at, yeah, it was looked at very much as though feminism is destroying these kind of traditional family values, which isn't necessarily true. I mean, it may be true in in the way that if you consider traditional family values to be rooted in the oppression of women, then yes, feminists are trying to dismantle that. Yeah, exactly. But why would you want a family that's rooted in that? Anyway, why would you want a marriage that's rooted in that? 
because power, because men have had the power for so, so long, you know, and that's just, we, I think I talked about this in the mini episode this past week when we were, when I was watching Tiger King, there was that one guy that was like, I didn't care how he trained his tigers. I wanted to know how he trained his women. You know, there's that big idea still that like by having, you know, a, a patriarch in charge of your family that keeps your family in order that keeps everybody in line. You become very, you know, well-behaved. There is this very old fashioned idea of the men of a man being head of the household and everybody falling in line. There was this, that mentality was really driven home to me having been raised in the church. Like that mentality was, it was really driven home to me that there had to be a leader in the house and there couldn't be two leaders, right? Like someone had to be the leader to make the decisions and it was God ordained that men were supposed to lead the family. Exactly. You know, and so there is that kind of mentality. And so if that's what you mean by feminists are trying to destroy marriage, feminists are trying to just destroy families, then sure. Yeah. Like if that's what you mean, but really what it is, it's, it's saying that I want a partnership within my marriage. Like that's what I want. I want a family that operates as a partnership. Exactly. Well, and what goes along with that as well is feminists refuse to take their partner's last name. And this is something that you and I have discussed a lot, especially with, you know, you come getting married coming up and we've talked about our friends getting married and I've talked about how I feel about it. And, um, there's this idea that, you know, feminists are worried that if they take their husband's last names, that they are being unfeminist or bad feminists because of it. When in reality, feminism is just about making the choices that you want to make for yourself. And if you want to take your husband's last name, you're not a bad feminist because of that. Agreed. Again, I think that there has to be a knowledge of where these traditions began and what they were rooted in. Because yes, like a lot of these, especially planning a wedding right now, a lot of these marriage traditions, including taking your husband's last name, are rooted in patriarchy. Like there is no way around that. Oh, it's so scary. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're absolutely rooted in women being property. Uh, And so that is something to acknowledge and accept that like that is where these traditions began, but that doesn't mean that you are subscribing to that belief system just because you choose to take part in that particular tradition. And you, first of all, you should be able to make decisions for yourself uh, that work for you. And then also I've said on another episode before that it can be reframed and I've seen other feminists who are choosing to take their their husband's last name reframe it as saying, I get to choose to take his name and not just accept the last name that was given to me by another man, which was my father. That's you know? how I, that is how I feel 100%. I didn't choose my name and I could be and I want to be choosing my last name and create a family with one name. And that is my that's the thing that I really would like to do. But that's not everybody's prerogative and not everybody has to make that choice. And that's the beautiful, and that's the beautiful thing about life. We get to make our own choices. It's great. And that's the beautiful thing about feminism is that you do get, like you have a choice. Like that's the thing is like before feminism, you didn't have a choice, not Mm -hmm. really. And so now thank God it's such a privilege to be able to decide yes, I want to take my husband's name or no, I don't, or we're going to come up with something on our own or he's going to take mine. You have so many options now 
And that's that's from years of hard work done by feminists. Yeah, exactly. Um, another one is that feminists don't like being moms. Uh, well, first of all, feminism and motherhood are not mutually exclusive. You can be a mom and a feminist, or you can be a feminist without children. It doesn't matter. Um, but there again, was again, you get that choice. You get yeah. to decide. <laughs> Exactly. So New York's first lady, which I don't know what that means. The governor's uh, wife. Oh, got it. So Shirlene McRae was once slammed by the New York Post for admitting that she didn't always want to stay at home with her daughter. And McRae is actually uh, a known feminist leader. So when she said that she didn't always love staying home with her kids, they you know, slammed her. <laughs> you know what? Let's ask all of the parents who are in quarantine right now how much mm-hmm. they're fucking loving it. And it doesn't mean that you don't love your kids. Yep. That's the thing. It's like you can love your kids and not want to spend every fucking second with them. Like you can love your partner and not want to spend every second with them. Like yeah. it's natural and normal to want your own space. And people are different. And some people require more space than other people. Yeah, exactly. And well, like if that was said by a man, no one would ever fucking question it. Like it yeah. just goes without saying that men don't necessarily want to spend every waking second with their children. Yeah, and that's been generally accepted. Like we all Yeah, get, of course. Yeah, like that's very generally accepted. Well, you know, and it also ties into, you know, the idea of feminists you know, not wanting children and things like that also ties into the idea of abortion as well. You know, feminists are always killing off their babies or that feminist. There's this idea of being very like free spirited, like not married, no kids, uninhibited, bra burning, you know, and like that's not always what a feminist looks like. Yeah, that, you know? that's what some feminists look like. Yeah, but that's and not what every- you do you. Yeah, it's not what every feminist looks like. Again, I mean, so often I feel like I'm just a broken record repeating myself. But basically what most of these myths come down to is just you should have the right to make a decision. It's not an awesome game. It's not as though (laughs) every feminist looks or acts exactly the same way. The whole point is that you can make your own choices. Exactly, exactly. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the presence online of a lot of these things, and in particular, a few uh, phrases. And we touched on it a little bit when we talked about like our comment section in the beginning of this episode. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the presence of all of these myths online. So there was this Meninist, an editor by the name of Bright, uh, for Breitbart Magazine by the name of Milo Vinopolis. I think Vinopolis. Yeah, I wrote it wrong in my notes, but I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, Well, he's that asshat that we've talked about many times before, and he started feminism is cancer. If you do hashtag feminism on Instagram, this first one that will show up is feminism is cancer. It's crazy. It's just weird to me that people care this much. Like honestly, I'm like, who has the fucking energy? Uh, I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. But anyways, this guy believes that sexual harassment and rape are feminist inventions that make victims of innocent men. Um, And he says it's too risky to get into a relationship with a feminist. Um, He believes that feminism. He's gay, but he's also but he's also like very homophobic. It's weird. Um, He claims that feminism is collapsing the birth rate of white women. And that is because of the use of birth control. 
So women are trying to change the race of the world by using birth control with white men and reproducing with men of color and reducing the white birth rate. Where, where are you getting your numbers, sir? I have no idea. I, I need to see. I need to see your sources because I don't think that's true. At all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it says, he says, feminism is a very communist set of ideals, which is why you see a big crossover between feminism and Marxism. And it's like, to be true, I mean, to be honest, you see a there big, is. You, you see a yeah. big crossover between most minority groups and Marxism or communism. We discuss that very often. You, you, saw that crossover with the Black Panthers. You see that crossover very often with a lot of activists. How many times have we done a feminist fave or talked about a group of people and they had communist links or socialist links uh, and definitely these Marxist ideals? And there are reasons for that. It's because this kind of society that we've created under capitalism has not historically benefited marginalized people. Yeah. It has by and large benefited white men over yeah. any other group of people. So there is a there is a reason for that. And to say it as though it's this awful, terrible thing, because I I remember growing up and thinking like communism was the worst thing. Yeah. Well, that's world. a lot of people's belief. You right. Know. And there's it's because of the way it's been framed and it's because there have been um, countries and societies under communism where things went very, very badly. And we can acknowledge that. Uh, but the beliefs themselves are not bad beliefs. Yeah. They make a lot of sense. And there's exactly. a reason it's, it's anybody who wants to kind of like fight for multiple groups of people. Yeah. <laughs> get kind of classified. In, in that way. How like dare they? How dare yeah, they? How dare they want health care yeah. and rights? It's crazy. So another thing that I found online when I was just searching like um, feminism is cancer online, I just Googled that. It was interesting. Um, but I found this petition from change.org by this guy named Pete McGee. And I'm saying his name because it's on the internet. It was easy for me to find. So it's out there for the world. That's his name, Pete McGee. He started this petition and it says to anyone with an ounce of sanity who knows feminism is poisoning society, feminism is cancer. He says a feminist IQ, depending on the level in which they are involved in the ideology, is comparable to that of a mentally ill chimpanzee. Oh, honey. Again, where are your sources? Oh, it's it gets better like this. There's it's this whole petition. It's great. And there's like three signatures. It's hilarious. Is okay. this satire or is he serious? He's serious. This is 100 percent serious. So um, <laughs> I said serious and Siri popped up. <laughs> Okay, he says feminism is like PETA. Both only go after those who can't or won't fight back. What is the difference between a feminist and a terrorist? You can negotiate with terrorists. Uh, okay, I mean, he's just making shit up. Yeah, like he says wage gap has been debunked to death. It's an earnings gap due to men's and women's different choices and abilities. He also goes on to say optimist, glass half full. Pessimist, gla glass half empty. Feminist, the glass is being raped. <sighs> that doesn't even make sense because there is a whole thing about like, and I even, I actually just had a conversation like it was right before quarantine started. I shot a, for a short film with my friend and his friend was saying something about, 
about rape and how we can't always believe every rape allegation because he, he knew somebody who was accused of raping someone and and he knows they didn't do it and blah, blah, blah. How do you know? Was, well, I, that's what I said to him, too. And I just kind of explained the whole thing to him and I gave him a statistic. I said that it's something like two percent of uh, rape allegations are false accusations. So while it is possible, it's incredibly rare. And he kind of like stood back and raised his eyebrows and he goes, I didn't know that. And I said, yeah. And he goes, how do you know that statistic? And I told him that I do the show that I do and that, you know, it's kind of my job to know generally. I'm not good with numbers, but general statistics and ideals of what, you know, the facts of these situations are. And there are so many men in this world that do have this idea that feminists support these false rape allegations, that we blindly support these victims, when in fact, we we support women, we choose first to support the woman, because we know that the that statistically, they're telling the truth. More often than not, by a large, large margin. So doesn't it make more sense to default support women when 98% of the time, if they are speaking up, they are telling the truth? Like, yeah, doesn't and there that make been, sense? Yeah, and there have been cases for both of us. Uh, the two that I can think of are Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. And then the other case I can think of is the Jesse Smollett case where we supported the victims or who we thought the victims were and got information. And then as we were learning more and more information, we were able to to turn on the people that we well, not turn on. That's a horrible way of putting it, but adjust you know, our p- opinion. Yeah, but put but put into perspective the right. whole story, not just believe one part of the story. We were able to, you know, put our foot in our mouth and say, hey, you know what? We supported this person. We don't support them anymore. It's absolutely you know? crazy making uh, having these conversations with people because it's just like, yes, of course, like goes without saying almost that, y- yes, of course, it would be terrible to be accused of something you didn't do. Just across mm-hmm. the board. Yes. Yeah. Of course it would be terrible. However, <laughs> to to completely switch focus, this whataboutism, this derailing tactic of any time anyone talks about any rape victim or accuser anywhere uh, to say, well, what about the men every single yeah. time is yeah. ridiculous. And I think mm-hmm. if you really took any amount of time to examine it closely, you would see how ridiculous it is. Oh, like yeah, even just 100%. looking at just looking at the numbers like we were doing, like in what way does that make sense to they've got 98 percent, you've got two percent and to automatically every single time point to that two percent. Why? Yeah. Because I think that men, especially in this day and age, I think a lot of men are retaliating against things like the Me Too movement and things like that. And they need to point out where women have gone wrong in these situations in order to make themselves feel better. But I would really love it if we as a society could ask men who think that way to really put those thoughts under a microscope and ask ask themselves why they think that way. Like, why Mm -hmm. is that your first instinct? Why is it so scary and threatening to you? Because if it doesn't apply to you, there's no reason for you to be afraid about it or afraid of it. There's no reason. If it's not something that you ever have done or would do, then why are you not standing on the side of these women? Yeah. Take a look at yourself and question that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more, Keegan. 
All right. Well, there's one last topic that I really want to talk about. Is there anything more that you want to touch on before I go to my last bit? I'm good. A big myth. So I found a lot of these on an article from Mike.com. And one of them was feminists are angry. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I don't I don't even know if that is a myth. That's the truth. It's not. And that's the thing is they kind of but they rephrased it. So there, you know, there's angry in the one way that we think of anger and there's angry in a very healthy, productive way. Right. So number 10 on this list was feminists are angry. So the idea that feminists are angry, they say, dates back all the way to the images of women burning bras. And the stereotype is used to smear the movement as emotionally driven and the same as the kind of like hysterical feminists that we had an entire episode about, uh, you know, that they don't need to be believed. They're just crazy and hysterical. Uh, And the thing is, is that being treated like a second class citizen does not make you fun loving at all. That's what they said in the article. And I love that. Like, yes, being treated like a second class citizen is going to make us a little bit angry. Yes, of course. Anybody who is living under oppression has the right to be angry. Yeah. Because do you think... where do you think we would get if we were just like, um, hey, excuse me, pardon me, I'd like my rights now? Yeah. Like, of course you're going to get a little bit angry and heated, and that's how shit gets done. Yeah, like I hate exactly. this notion that emotions are inherently bad. Like emotions yeah. are not inherently bad; they serve a purpose, and there's a reason why something makes you angry or sad. And oftentimes those emotions can push you towards change, can push you towards action. You know, they can push you towards action and getting shit done. Right. Emotion emotion drives everything in our lives. Emotion and being emotional doesn't mean that you have to be sad and crying. If you are emotional, you are you are moved by something. And that typically means that you are then propelled into action, which is something really great. And I think that that is why we become feminists in the first place is because we are propelled to action in right. some way. And we also need to dismantle this myth that emotion and thoughts like thought process <laughs> are are mutually exclusive. Like Mm -hmm. you can have emotions and want to react out of anger and still stop yourself and have a rational thought about the best way to go about that. Like it's not as though emotions just drive absolutely fucking everything and you never have a thought. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's I mean, that's just learning to that's learning good coping skills too. you know, feeling your emotions and not letting them overcome everything in you. I mean, that's something that all of us need to work on. I think, you know, it's hard when you're sad and worked up or whatever, you know, sometimes you want to slam a door or you want to get really angry and you can't, you have to breathe and work through those. And I think that's something that because men don't have a lot of emotional education and I'm saying men as a very blanketed term, I don't mean that specifically, just I'm blanketing over the people who are not taught, um, you know, emotional maturity and things like that and education about their emotions that when they do feel really strong feelings like anger, they do tend to kind of jump off the deep end and go crazy and start fights and things like that. And that is because of the lack of emotional education. Yeah. People should go back and listen to, or our listeners should go back and listen to our toxic masculinity episode. If you want to hear more about what we're talking about here because it's like, yeah, if you haven't had the emotional education uh, or it's a byproduct of toxic masculinity that you aren't able to express your emotions, then sure, being angry to you may mean a very explosive thing. But as we have Mm -hmm. talked about, women have had to adapt and kind of learn how to 
channel their anger into different ways. We've had to, for so long, we've had to step back and think and process through things. So well, you, yeah. can, you can be angry and rational at the same yeah. time. They're not mm-hmm. mutually exclusive ideas. Yeah, it would be dangerous for women to get too angry probably back in the day, you know. Right. Um, Well, I I wanted to close out this episode with a quote from a woman named Jessica Valenti, who is the author and co-founder of the blog Feministing. And this quote that she says, I feel like really encapsulates why we do our show and um, about the anger that we feel uh, being activists and being feminists. So it says, We have the right to be angry. We have a right to be sad and shocked. We have a right to be exhausted. That anger, that sadness, it can help us do what we have to do. And I am angry and sad and exhausted with you. But I also know what brings us together is more than a confidence of hardships. We don't do this work because of anger. We do it because of love. We do it because of compassion, where I think that, you know, anger so many times can be seen as hateful and scary. And that's not that's not the kind of anger that we feel towards uh, the things that we're seeing in the world. By being active feminists, we are helping to to change the world and turn that anger into love. And that's something, Keegan, we've said it a million times again on this show. When we first started, we were angry and we wanted to create a positive community, turn that anger into something really positive and full of love. Yeah. I'm more worried about people who can look in the face of injustice and feel nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Like to me, that is much, much scarier that people yeah. can look at people's suffering uh, or can look at inequality or injustice and feel no anger, sadness, compassion. Yeah. Like these are things that you should feel as a human being. And if you yeah. don't feel those things, then it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Oh, boy. Well, this was a good episode to do this week. It was a good just conversation. We are heading into what our fourth week of self-quarantines, social distancing and knows anymore. Honestly, I think so. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering what my week is going to be like. We'll see. Uh, but everybody, if there are things that you want us to discuss, we've got a few ideas. And I think, you know, right now we're being a little bit pickier with our topics because our lives are so crazy and we're both working so much. Um, but if you have ideas of things that you'd really like us to talk about during this time or things that you want to hear us talk about, email us at neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com. You can follow us and direct message us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. You can also catch us on on Twitter at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. Um, let's see. We also have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review on our business page and chat with the other listeners on our group page. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. And I swear I'm going to remember to post on Tuesday this week, Keegan. I promise I will. I'll do it. I'll post it. Thank you. I appreciate I appreciate your grace, Keegan. Um, Let's see. If you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It helps. And if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's free for you and it helps us out just a little bit. I almost did it backwards. (laughs) Also all good. I'm in such a place with this like quarantine that I'm just like, anything goes. Anything goes. Yeah, I'm I slept in a little bit today, so I'm a bit just disoriented and I haven't had any food yet. So I think my brain's just kind of like that. Well, go um, get you something to eat. 
I'm going to immediately. I'm going to make a Stouffer's mac and cheese. I think it's going to be real good, super healthy. I was telling Max that our our main food groups these days are beige and orange. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I had I've had to like consciously buy veggies because I'm just like we are going to get sick if we just keep eating like so much yeah. sodium box. Meals. I'm making a I'm making a veggie stir fry tonight. Do it. That sounds delicious. It's gonna be yes. it's gonna be really good. And I bought some Brussels sprouts and I make really good bacon wrap Brussels sprouts. Yes. I also but just bought like bacon and sandwich stuff. I can make breakfast sandwiches. I can make regular sandwiches. So I'm finally feeling like I at least got enough groceries where I can like eat healthy, which is great. So I am going to go do that <laughs> before I pass out. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.